Well, hello, everyone. I'm welcoming uh, to our podcast, Dr. E. Randolph Richards. And of course, we know him, friends know him as Randy. As a matter of fact, Randy, I was thinking before we uh, met today that I didn't know your name was Randolph, I think, until you published your first book. <laughs> we go, Randy and I go way back uh, to our days of, of seminary uh, study and doctoral study. So, I mean, when, was that the first time? Because I don't remember, I, you, you, we had seminar papers, and I don't remember your name being E. Randolph on your seminar papers. It was just Randy Richards, right? Correct. In fact, uh, I remember vividly when that came up. It was from our former professor, Earl Ellis, who, by the way, goes by his middle name. It's E. Earl mm. Ellis. But uh, the, the, my first book out was being published in Europe. And he, and he was trying in his delicate way that he has <laughs> to say that, you know, uh, the, the nickname Randy, which is very common in the U.S., has not such a savory meaning in Europe. And so <laughs> he was trying to figure out if it'd be okay if I, I didn't put Randy Richards on the book. And so that's how it started. Wow. And so he, he suggested your given name. And I don't yeah. think I've ever asked you what the E stands for. Are you ready to reveal that? Yeah, it's Ernest. Ernest, I thought uh, so, but I didn't. I couldn't remember for sure. I was named after a uh, uncle who was killed in a war. So. Okay, so it's interesting that we're going to talk about Paul's name, and I'm starting out asking about your name, Randy. Uh, you currently serve as well. You were once provost at Palm Beach Atlantic University in that beautiful place of Florida. And you've recently transitioned out of that job into a faculty member that uh, no longer has to deal with those administrative headaches anymore. Is that right? <laughs> 16 years in higher ed administration is uh, too much for anybody. And uh, so I am now the research professor of New Testament um, for a few more years until uh, retirement comes upon me. Yeah. Well, and of course, Randy's written several books and uh we're going to have him, as a matter of fact, at First Baptist um, in February. We have a, an annual conference, and we're going to be looking at Randy's book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, which is a bestseller for University Press, and so we're really looking forward to that. All right, so today we're going to talk about Paul's name, what you did know about Paul's name. And here's the common misconception that lay people have. I heard it my whole life growing up in church that Paul changed his name from Saul when he converted to Christ. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Christian name, you might say. So he took upon himself a Christian name when he met Christ uh, on the Damascus Road. Um, so why do that's not in the Bible? Nowhere in the scriptures. It's not in the Bible. It's not. No. Nowhere in the scriptures, or, or you know, does suggest even that Paul changed his name when he converted to Christ. In fact, he goes by Saul quite a while uh, after his conversion. Exactly. His, so much later in his ministry. So where does it come from, Randy? Why why do people believe that? Does it come from Acts? It does come from Acts, and actually, starting with my name was a great way to start it. Um, Americans in general, we're descendants of the old Roman system, 
Romans had a, they called it a tripartite name. You had three parts to your name. So we tend to think, oh yeah, we have three part names. That's what we do in, in America. So I have Ernest Randolph Richards. We have a first name, a middle name, a last name. Most people use their first name. Their middle name is obscured a lot. And then their family name, their last name. Well, Romans had a tripartite name as well. Most of the world did not. In Palestine, they, they use a singular name. So we have Jesus or Simon or Matthew or whatever. Um, and then since Simon was an extremely common name, you would use a village name, Simon of Bethesda or something like that to try to distinguish it. Or they would use nicknames a lot. Hmm. And so, so Jesus he, gives Simon a nickname. Yeah. And Jesus was known as Jesus of Nazareth because Jesus's name was a very, very common Jewish name. Yeah. Technically Joshua. And it was extremely common, almost as common as Simon. Now, wasn't it true that also sometimes they'd be known as like uh, – son of their father like it would be uh you know simon bar jonah we read about that son of jonah right so jews yes. were distinguishing themselves as not in the name given and most of the time they were named after famous heroes of the old testament right so they would have their whatever was that their one name and it'd be the, of a village or of a relative mm. usually the father but it could be a more famous uh relative mm. if they had one um, or a title, if they happen to have um, a title. So you have Levi, the tax collector. Oh, okay. Later is Jesus, Joshua, Jesus, the Christ. So they would use titles if someone happened to have a, a title. So uh, Paul, then, his Jewish name was Saul, named after Except the— it wasn't. The, the Jewish um, name was the great king, right? Saul? Well, he—, he it, it is a Jewish name because he's Jewish. Mm. And so um, at some point in his family's history, they get their Roman citizenship. And when you get your Roman citizenship, the big thing is you get a tripartite name. Right. So you you go from whatever is your singular name to a three-part name. And it would have a, what we'd call a first name. They call it a pronomen, a first name. Right. And then you have a name that represents your clan, your large extended family, your ancestral family, and then a what we call a last name, which they um, referred to as like their tribal name. So um, at some point, one of Paul's uh, ancestors gets uh, citizenship. I commonly see it said, oh, it was his father. Well, I don't know why we would think that. It could have been his grandfather or his great-grandfather. Well, I think the argument goes there, is, if I remember, is that because Paul's from Tarsus, Tarsus, as it said, it was known mean city, right? It was a significant right. city. It was a university town, right. uh, uh, very Hellenized. And, and that Marcus Antony uh, was a patron of Tarsus, perhaps even liberated Tarsus as a free city. And some have argued, well, th when they became a free city, liberated by Marcus Antony, then now as a, as a free city, they uh, have citizenship. And that probably happened, if you back it up to when you know Paul lived in Mark Antony, they think it probably happened when, when Paul's father uh, experienced that or his grandfather. I think that's where that argument comes from. And so there are some who have suggested that his name, and it was common to take the, the first and middle name uh, from your patron. So Paul would have been known as, and I don't agree with this, but you, have you heard this, Randy? Uh, Marcus Antonia Paulus. Right. So I think the problem with this is, is multiple. One is 
Paul is a citizen of Tarsus. In our country, and you know, this is the problem, things are left without being said in scripture because everybody knew them. And since they're not said, we fill them in with what we know. We have one citizenship. I am an American citizen right. or I'm a Argentinian citizen. Well, Paul had multiple citizenships. He is a citizen of the city of Tarsus. Right. That's not the same thing as being a Roman citizen. Right. Um, and you could also be, in the case of Philippi, a citizen of a colony. Right. In that case, you're actually technically a citizen of the city of Rome. So someone who is in uh, Philippi could be would be a citizen of Rome and not just a Roman uh, citizen. Right. Kind of interesting. If you're a Roman citizen, you're a citizen of the empire. Right. Um, so Paul... Uh, Paul, not everybody in Tarsus would be a Roman citizen. They'd be a citizen of the city of Tarsus. Right. So Paul has Roman citizenship from some point in history. And his name, Paul, Paulus, is no doubt because of the Paul clan, which was a very prominent Roman family in what we call Turkey, what they call Asia Minor, what we call Turkey. It was headed in the central Turkey, in the city of Antioch, as you know, uh, Rodney. So that's where the family was. We have found inscriptions indicating large estates around the city of Antioch. So the Paul family was scattered around there. As you go down the road, eventually you get to Tarsus. So the Paul clan would have expanded along the road, and uh, in some tree, some branch off of the main family is in Tarsus, and that's where Paul's citizenship, uh, where Paul's family was. So his father, or his grandfather's great-grandfather, is a member of the Paul clan. Right. At some point, someone married a Jewish uh, woman, and that's how the Jewish element got introduced into the family. As you know, about 250 BC, large numbers of Jews were moved into that area of Asia Minor. So at some point, Jews came involved. Your first son, your second son, your third son might be proudly Roman. But at some point, one of the sons would be given a chance to be Jewish. So somewhere along the way, um, Paul's father, his grandfather, someone uh, got to be on the Jewish side of the family tree and eventually became Pharisees, as we know, because Paul mentions, I'm a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. Right. So he has the best of both. He has a great Jewish pedigree and he has a, a Roman uh, citizenship. So with a Roman name, you have three parts, as you mentioned. The middle part would be some kind of ancestral indicator. And that's probably where Saul comes from. Okay. Because Paul mentions proudly, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Right. Well, you know, most of us can only name one other person from the tribe of Benjamin, and yeah. that would be the famous King Saul, Saul. a thousand years earlier. Right. So probably their family, their clan name was Saul. So it'd be something Saul, Saul Paul. Paul. Yeah, so and, and that's the surprise. Most people are shocked to hear that Paul is not his first name. The kind of the more intimate name. Uh, uh, Paul is not his uh, nomen, you know, his his clan name. Right. Uh, he That's his last name. I mean, I, I can't name. tell you how many times when I share that, either in a classroom or with lay people, Paul's not his first name, it's his last name. And, and that's kind of, the lights go on and think, oh my goodness. So why in the world then, if Paulus, or Paul, the Latin former Paul, is his last name, right, that he was right. received because he's part of this larger clan. 
Why does he go by that name in his letters? Because in letters, you always use the last name. Isn't that interesting? So, we don't think that way. We think, right. dear so-and-so, we use their first name. But in all of his letters, it's his last. I mean, he doesn't even go by Saul, the the, the nomad or the, the Jewish name that right. he received. And although in Luke 13, we're told, you know, Luke makes a switch. When he's talking about Saul this, Saul that, and then Luke 13, 9, he says, but Saul, who was known as Paul, and there it is. Right. He goes from one name to the other. So there's yeah, in no. In the book of Acts, he does that. There's no and, record of. Con that's not when he was converted. He was converted well, earlier in chapter 9. So. Well, that's when he gets in to see the governor. Right. Whose name is? Paul. Paul. Yeah. That's, El Sergius Paulus. Yeah. So Sergius was his middle name. Paulus was right. the proconsul's last name. Right. And some have suggested, right, that. I mean, one argument is that's why all of a sudden Luke wants to start using this name because he's introduced Sergius Paulus into the story. Right. And, you know, you don't get to walk in and talk to the governor just because you're traveling along. <laughs> so um, Paul and Silas were picked to go to Crete. Um, well, I mean, to Cyprus. Cyprus. Yeah. To Cyprus. And uh, because Barnabas has family there. And so does Paul. They both have family there. And so that's the inroad. That's the way that they get to travel. And so Paul gets in to see this guy because there's a family connection. Uh, connection. But, you know, we have um, many of us have heard of Cicero and the famous letters of Cicero. Well, his name was um, Marcus Tullius Cicero. And so Cicero is not his first name. It's his last name. It's not it's not that Paul uses his last name in the letters. Everybody uses their last name right in the i mean we i was thinking the other day always using last names so I, I was thinking the other day about josephus he's a famous jewish historian and right. you know we we just assume that's his first, no same thing that's his last right. name he was titus right. josephus and most people so don't a famous know that example would be um uh, he runs into a roman citizen in philippi a woman and all we're told is her family name lydia which we've converted into a female name. Right. But it'd be more correct to refer to her as Mrs. Lydia. Mrs. Lydia. Yeah. And and we're even told it's not too hard to figure out how she picked that name because they said she is from Thyatira, which is the capital of the Roman province Lydia. So when she got her citizenship, she picked for a family name the province of where she her family's from. Which was also a very common practice as well. Very common. And if you by didn't the way, famous family member. So, how yeah. could people? I'm, I'm, before we get to Paul, and why would he use his last name? Because I want to talk about the social dynamics of that with you. It fits right in with your misreading scripture with individualist eyes. Um, but before before we do that, uh, how would someone prove that they're a citizen? I mean, did they have like a did they they have a card that proved that they were citizen? Was it recorded somewhere? How? Because yeah, yes, Roma they, citizenship brought a number of advantages. Yes. Um, so the, the answer to your, your question, was it this or this? It was yes. Ah. So they actually carried around a certificate of citizenship. It was usually a very thin sheet of metal, often bronze, very hammered, very thin, and they would scratch onto it and fold it in half. Mm. So in Paul's satchel, along with other little things he'd carry, he'd carry that little... Almost like a uh, passport, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have his it's name. Like a passport, exactly. That, he would and have then, his Roman name on it. Would it what else yes, would it have absolutely. on it? Um, probably his family, who he's connected with. Uh, that's usually about... And, it. This, and then the perhaps names the of city. The, 
The city yes, of the where city elders who are signing it. Yep. Now you say, well, gee whiz, we ought to just forge one of those things. Well, Rome made it uh, very unpleasant to forge Roman citizenship. <laughs> so you could say, well, if you, you might lie about it anyway to avoid being killed. Yes, but they would make it a worse way of being killed mm. if you lied about citizenship. Mm. So at some point when Paul does claim his citizenship and he's in prison, they would send a letter to uh, back to Tarsus to verify that he's a citizen. So the city clerk would also have a record there of all the Roman absolutely. citizens. Yes, absolutely. And how did one become a Roman citizen, by the way? You know, they, they be, because if you were born, obviously, to a citizen, you, you were a Roman citizen, kind of like American uh, citizenship. Right. But there are other ways of uh, yes, securing. Adopted okay. is the most common way. So when the centurion says, I bought my citizenship, um, when he's when Paul's nearly beaten, he says, I've I bought my citizenship. It's very expensive. Well, technically, that's illegal. But everybody you know, it was commonly done. A little bribery. What you actually do is bribe someone. Yeah, a little money under the table. <laughs> yes, and they would adopt you then. So that's how you, so that centurion would have gotten his citizenship, not by buying it, although that's what he actually did, but by being adopted. Mm. So when Paul says, I was born a citizen, he's claiming significantly higher status than this centurion. And, and it actually scares the centurion because um, he has made a career-threatening, maybe career-ending mistake and there. You're talking about Why the episode. You're talking about the episode in Philippi when Paul is, you know, no, or, no, no, when he's when he's arrested in Jerusalem. Oh, in, in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, yeah. And he's about to be beaten, and he says, "Are you know, is it okay to beat a Roman citizen?" Oh, the, Which is, yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Um, and the centurion says, "I bought my citizenship," and Paul says, "I was born one." So, yeah, so in the Philippian incident, you know, when he's he's obviously he has that uh, uh, passport, you might say, with him, right. and he's thrown in prison, and then uh, the surprise. But he's beaten. Yeah. Right. So he should not have been beaten. Right. So the, so the Philippian leaders, it's classic racism, Rodney. Um, it never occurs to them that this Jewish guy could be a Roman citizen. Right. So they never even give him a chance to state that he's a Roman citizen. They order him, probably without him even being present, they order him taken and beaten. Hmm. And, uh, and so they have made a very, very serious so mistake. So this this goes without, like you say, this goes without saying. All of a sudden, Paul says, you've mistreated a Roman citizen. Although the text doesn't say, he probably would have produced this passport and say, look, I, right. I'm a Roman citizen, and my right. my citizenship is recorded in Tarsus. And you right. could send a letter. Very dangerous. I mean, it is, uh, Cicero makes a comment, it's one of the worst crimes to beat a Roman citizen before a trial. So they have made a serious mistake. That's why they say, sorry, please leave town. And Paul says, I'm not leaving town. No. Because you because come down and apologize in person, which is astounding claim, and escort me back to Lydia's house so that Mrs. Lydia is shown she didn't do anything improper either. And, and so this is the social implications, right, of that situation. He's, he's yes. forcing them to show him honor when they have shamed him and dishonored him. Right, and shamed Mrs. Lydia as well. Yeah, very good. All right, so the so they could, and if there was some question about whether or not their passport, you would call it, is legitimate, they could always write the city clerk and get some sort of response as to whether or not his citizenship is recorded there. 
Absolutely. So Philippi is just wanting Paul to go away to make that problem go away. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so just leave. Do you talk about so what are the some of the other advantages of Roman citizenship? Well, the uh, you actually get a daily allotment of corn of grain, not necessarily corn grain. Um, it's called the dole, D-O-L-E, yep. which we still talk about being on, on the dole. dole yep. So when Paul is in prison, he'll at least will get this daily allotment. It became a, it was something Rome started. They're really sorry they ever started it because it became a huge burden later. Did Augustus um, start that? When did that start? Do you remember? Was it Tiberius? You know, uh, I think it's during the Republic days. Okay, even the Republic um, days. But uh, that's the whole point with the Mark Anthony Cleopatra story. I'm sure he was taken by her skirt. But the main thing was Cleopatra controlled Egypt, and Egypt was the source of the grain right. for the dole. So by getting uh, control of Cleopatra, he could starve out Rome. So you 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 got the the daily allotment. You're on the dole, bread and circuses, right. as they as the critique of the Roman life is. Uh, yeah. They they had uh, a passport to prove that you right. there were certain legal protections that you couldn't right. be beaten. Even there are certain forms huge. certain forms of execution you you would right. never have to worry about crucifixion. Right? right? It was illegal yes. to crucify a Roman citizen. It was highly un highly unlikely. They would generally avoid it. Right. But it wasn't technically illegal. Right. But the main, you know, this not being beaten before you're convicted is a huge, uh, that's in some ways the biggest perk because um, Rome would say, you know, if you, they were suspicious of you, they would beat you before they questioned you just to keep you from wanting to be smart alecky or anything. <laughs> and if you died during the questioning, they thought that was proof you were guilty anyway. Yeah. So, it, that's a huge advantage. In some ways, they might list that as one of the key advantages. Right. I mean, typically, uh, the capital punishment in, in Roman law was the only crime punishable by death was treason against Rome. And if they had a citizen who was guilty of that, they would exile them most often, wouldn't they? Or let them, right. let them rot in some prison and they never get out. So, so prison actually was never the punishment. Right. It was a prison holding was cell. Where they held right? you. Right. So you're like, you know. Uh, awaiting trial. Right. So, so they would just simply delay, 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 and then they would finally, because people typically, you had to have someone on the outside to be able to survive the harshest conditions of prison, right. didn't you? Yes, and Rome, if you were put in that kind of prison. Yeah. So Roman citizens could have an advantage there. Were, were there right. other other evidences, like uh, did they did they get anything special to wear or what, you know, they can prove as they walked about that they're a Roman citizen? Yes, in uh, in some ways they called it getting your toga. Mm. And so a Roman man, when he became a citizen, would be given a three-part name and a toga. And a toga. Yeah, and I, I don't know that Paul necessarily wore his toga. I doubt it because they don't seem to – in many ways, Paul avoided referring to his Roman citizenship mm. because it would automatically put him as one of them versus one of us. And so it would exclude him from being able to work with Jews because we need to remember Rome was the occupying power. They were the the Nazis during uh, the Nazis in France, you right, know, kind of thing. Right. So you didn't, so Paul never claims his citizenship in front of Jewish people. Um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So 
Let's go back. Let's circle back now to the question. So why would Paul and like everyone else, why did they use their last name either when they're writing a letter or even even addressing if they're giving a public speech to recognize? Why would they identify themselves by their last name when last names were this last name was so common? Right. Why was that important? Well, and part of that is this. Uh, individualism versus collectivism. We we want a name in order to be individualistic, to stand out. So when a parent's naming their child here in America, they, they, they want to pick an unusual name, something that's a little different. It doesn't always turn out that way. You know, when we picked Joshua, because no one in my family was named Joshua. So we named our first son Joshua. And so did about 400 million other Americans at that time. Now, it's interesting. My son Joshua was raised in a when we were missionaries. So he's more collectivist in his thinking. And collectivists want a name that shows you belong. So he named his son uh, after my father. So his son is named such and such, such and such, Richards III. Oh. And, uh, and because he wanted a name, he picked that up from, I guess, growing up in Asia, that um, you pick a name in order to belong. So, you know, why did they use their last name and not their middle name? Well, why do we use a first name? It's just the custom. So, but that custom emphasized, I belong to this clan. Right. So when Paul says, Paul, you know, he's claiming to be a part of this clan. Now, I don't know that he was thinking that much about it. It's so interesting. He doesn't say Paul of Tarsus when he writes his letters. Right. Um, which would be the normal way of doing it. Um, instead, he says, uh, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Right. Or apostle. He's not. And we think, oh, you're being humble. No, Paul thinks it's more honorable to be a servant of Jesus than to be a citizen of Tarsus. Right. Well, isn't it true that like slaves of Caesar, right, they're his servants. Oh, yeah. They had great yeah. power. They even had yes. wealth. They could accumulate wealth, even have yes. land, although they're a right. slave in Caesar's household. A friend yeah, of Caesar is someone friends. who has great, great influence socially. Right. Yes. So when, when so Paul is proud of being a slave of Jesus, because he's the most powerful uh, Lord of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically he signs on a slave of Jesus. You better listen to me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because of what household I belong to. Interesting. Yeah. So he, everyone would know who he is by his last name, because Paulus, the Latin form, was so common. Right. Um, and it's a powerful family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. That's why Luke introduces it right then, is he has just introduced us to Sergius Paulus. So we missed that point. Um, that, And by the way, Luke then refers to people by their uh, last name right. all through right. the story. Right. And uh, other than Romans in technical writings, Rome, uh, only Romans would actually use all three names. Most people only use the second and third name. Right. So John Mark, he is a, a Roman. Uh, his family somehow connected to Mark Anthony because right. his family name is Marcus right. Mark. So it's something Johannes Marcus, something John Mark. Kind of like E. Randolph Richards. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, so. I mean, we've got L. Sergius Paulus. I mean, it's really fascinating yeah. how even right. we do names. Like I was thinking as you were right. talking about how we identify by our last names. Don't we even do this? Men do this as good friends. Like we'll refer to our good friend and co-author David Capes as Capes. 
We even yeah. nicknamed him Capesmon, you know, yeah. so <laughs> partly because he reads German so well. But anyway, and we call you behind we, when you're not in the room, we'll go Richard's this. And, and I'm sure you refer to yeah. me as Reeves. So isn't it fascinating how we still kind of hold on to that idea that we call each other by our last names? But that is a sign of intimacy among men, right. especially. And it's just a, it's just a tradition. So we do not want to read referring to Paul as Paul as some sort of formality. It's just was their custom. Right. Now, in uh, occasion, they would use nicknames as well. Um, mm. But those nicknames came from some family history or something. Crassus means fat, you know. <laughs> and so uh, Cincinnatus <laughs> means uh, curly and th- those kinds. So they did pick up uh you know, uh, nicknames. Well, even they, si- Jesus' most probably most famous disciples, next to the beloved one, is uh, Simon. And but we right. we don't call him Simon. We call him by the nickname that Jesus gave him, Peter. Right. Yeah. And he he no doubt gave him that nickname because Simon was the, as far as we can tell archaeologically, it was the most common name in antiquity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, among Jewish people. In Palestine, yeah, men were called Simon, women were called Mary. So that habit then that your son decided to reintroduce for his family is to have a, a child that shares names of his ancestry, and we call it Junior, or the third, or the fourth. You know, for a while, if you look at names, maybe like a hundred years ago, it was somewhat fashionable to do that, especially men of certain status. And we right. look at it now like an ego trip, right? You're, you're going to give your son your name or your grandfather, whatever. But in their day, when social uh, worth was more important than it is today, would you say 100 years ago, we yes. were more collectivist than we are now. Yes. Uh, that was They were basically giving their son a head start, right? They're, right. they're, they're bringing the family name through your son so that people would know, oh, you're so-and-so's boy because you've got... Yeah, if, if, you're, if, if your last name was Roosevelt, you made sure people knew it. If your last name was Kennedy, you made sure people knew it. So uh, a certain lady, when she remarried, she was known as Kennedy Onassis. She uh-huh. kept that Kennedy name yeah. because of the. it showed I belonged to the Kennedy clan. Yeah, very good. All right, so we've covered a lot of ground here. Paul's Jewish name, Paul's Roman, uh, Roman name, citizenship. Um, it just goes to show you that when we come to the Bible, like you've said many times, there are certain things that went without saying, and the hard part really is knowing the social context of this world that in certain respects looks so familiar to us that we, they've got names, you know, they're going to places, and but when you start peeling back the layers, you think, oh my goodness, even names in the, in the biblical world seem to serve a different function, a different purpose than they do today. Right. They showed you belonged somewhere. Yeah. While for us, it shows I'm unique, I'm distinctive. And, the, and, and so in their day, stereotypes were a good thing. We, yeah. we tend to think of them as a bad thing. But, they, you know, stereotypes, because the different ethnic groups, they would basically, because they were collectivists, they would, you know, you know one Jew, you know them all. You know one Roman, you know them all, right? Didn't they operate with this sense of negotiating a pluralistic world, but their ethnicity defined their identity, who they really are. And so stereotypes in their day were a good thing. And it's, you could tell it what clan, what ethnicity they belonged to. 
by their name, mm-hmm. by their clothing, sometimes by their accent, you know, by what language they spoke. Yes, those exactly right. Well, uh, Dr. Richards, thank you so much, Randy, <laughs> for joining. <laughs> e. Randolph Richards is his uh, proper name, and you'll see uh, his books. That's the name he uses. And uh, I'm so grateful, Randy, for your ministry, for our friendship. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything I left out? Is there anything that comes to mind that said, you know, we've got to get this in before we go about Paul's I, name? I, um, I would say that one of the reasons I think why uh, uh, Saul tends to drop that name as well. Everybody in Palestine, all of his Jewish buddies knew, oh, you're named after King Saul. The great king. You must be a Benjamite, that sort of thing. Right. Once you move out into Rome, they've never heard of some Hebrew king from a thousand years earlier. Exactly. But there was a Greek word, Saulus. So they probably assumed his name was a nickname. Ah. And it didn't have a particularly savory meaning. No, I mean, it is interesting. We've come back around, haven't we? Maybe in a similar way that Randy in European context has a certain, you know, salacious implication. Solace, exactly. Solace does so as would, well. When they heard Saul, they would assume it was a nickname. And pro- probably not him, maybe a f- ancestor, but not a great nickname. And so, um, you know, as he moved cross-culturally, it was probably suddenly Paul has stock, has value, why Saul doesn't particularly have value. Yeah, and he wanted to avoid it. Do you want to, do you want to give us a little hint? How was it unsavory? If someone was <laughs> solace, it meant that they had kind of— Well, they would— the, the one example I can remember was uh, in giving advice to their uh, young sons, they would say, you know, watch out for prostitutes. They walk in a solace, man. <laughs> in a seductive. So solace is somewhat of a seductive manner. It could be. It It's. Yes, it doesn't translate quite as neatly, but it was not a it was not a great it would not be a great nickname. <laughs> But for Paul, it wasn't a nickname. <laughs> yeah, it was a very honorable name. Yeah, so it does. And by the way, there are there are uh, international students. I discovered this at the university. I'm sure you had it at, at Palm Beach. You have international students, especially Asian, that when they come to our country, we have a hard time even pronouncing their their name because they have certain kind of. Uh, sounds that we don't even have letters for, and right. we butcher their name all the time. And eventually what they'll do is they'll say, well, forget that. Just call me George. And they adopt right. a, a kind of a common American name, don't they? And it's, yes. so, it's not yeah. for the same reason, but there, there's a similar phenomenon even oh, today. Um, I, had a, I had a dear friend. Her name was Bobby, which is a great uh, name in America. And it's kind of a fun name for a girl as well. She was from the South and her, her name was Bobby, B-O-B-I, Bobby. The problem in Indonesian is Bobby is the Indonesian word for pig. <laughs> so she very quickly changed the pronunciation of her name. That's hilarious. Poor girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, we'll we'll wrap up this episode <laughs> with Randy Fancy Richards. Aren't in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks so much, Randy, for this conversation. I hope our listeners have learned a lot. I mean, we talked about all kinds of things, but especially when you're reading the scriptures, just remember you're making a quantum leap. You're traveling to another time, another place, another culture, and there's so many things that went without being said, and it really is probably a very um 
enlightening habit is to spend some time working on or you know reading books that deal with that culture and so we'll show it in our show notes uh posted but randy with some friends have written some really excellent books the one we're going to look at again is misreading scripture with western eyes and he's he spent time thinking about how the culture of the bible is really an eastern culture it's not a western culture and how we misread scripture because we assume it's written in english right these are uh, but but we carry with our own uh lenses right we look through it with Western uh, presuppositions, and really, you would do well to spend some time trying to understand the Bible in so, its world. Uh, th- let me end with this thought, though. We don't want our listeners to get discouraged in any way. Um, you can pick up the Bible and read it and be blessed just reading it. Yes. Our goal is to read it better. Yeah. And so what uh, Rodney's doing with these podcasts is giving us little snippets so that here and there and in various places in scripture, we'll be able to read the Bible better. And of course, we want to read it better so that we can follow Jesus better. That's right. So the Spirit, of course, takes God's Word and applies it in so many ways. But when you start asking questions, why? Why does it say that? That's so different. Maybe that question mark is an indication, hmm, I need to do some more reading. Thanks so much, Randy. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.